Hello, today I have, is it Mari? It's Mari. Mari. Well, Mari rhymes with safari. Right. <laughs> um, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you so much, Donna, for having me on. Uh, we've had, uh, before we started recording, we've had like a 15 minute like gossip, which is really nice because I've been so looking forward to coming on. Um, so I'm Mary Chong and I'm a crime writer. I write um, murder mystery fiction. And um, I would say I'm on the kind of the same theme as the kind of golden age of crime. Um, with the strong element of justice at the end and good versus evil and just the puzzle solving element as well to make it um, fun for the, the reader, you know. Um, and I used to work as a doctor, so my books have a strong medical theme running through them. And in fact, as well as the, the kind of the, the murder mystery element, there's a kind of medical mystery element as well. Um, so um, the protagonist in the series, um, it's a seven book series at the moment, um, is uh, called Dr. Kathy Moreland. And her first book comes out tomorrow. Da, 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 da. <laughs> And yeah, so it's called Death by Appointment. And um, in it, Dr. Kathy um, has recently been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, which I also have myself. And uh, she travels to um, this remote coastal hamlet of Canavan, fictional um, place. Um, and uh, while she's there trying to recuperate, she um, witnesses a terrible tragedy on the clifftops. And uh, the whole village assumed that it's suicide, but Kathy um, finds out that exactly 30 years ago to the very day, um, uh, there was another terrible tragedy. Uh, a young mother leapt from the clifftops clutching her newborn baby. And she obviously realizes that something is amiss and there's some link between the two tragedies. So she begins to investigate, obviously puts herself at grave risk. Otherwise it wouldn't be a proper murder mystery, would it? Um, so that's where it starts off. That's where the series kicks off. And um, Death by Appointment, as I say, it comes out tomorrow, uh, which I'm really nervous about. And I feel really sick today. Um, and then um, Blood Handbooks are publishing um, so there's seven books in the series and they're going to publish one book a month um, up into August. So um, the whole of the whole of the series is now written um, and I've written book eight um, and that I've still to pitch to the publishers because I kind of want to see how how the series goes and then I'll maybe, you know, I'm kind of at that stage, like I'm not quite ready to, to let it loose. Uh, so yeah, that's that's who I am, that's what I do and it's lovely to be here, so yeah. <laughs> um, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Um, well, no, I, um, I grew up in the 80s, right? And um, we lived in a, in a village kind of similar to the fictional um, hamlet that I've described in this first book. Okay, so uh, right, it, it's like on the, on the cliff tops, absolutely beautiful idyllic childhoods. Um, but like in the eighties, your parents just booted you out for the day and you could just roam free. It's not like it is today. So we used to do rope swings and 
building dens and because we were we were on the cliff tops and our parents were quite liberal we used to clamber up and down the cliffs and go like hunting for smugglers in caves and a lot of my childhood uh, was really based on reenacting Enid Blyton's famous five I would, say, I would say so I was heavily influenced I would say by the kind of adventure mystery element when I was growing up and I did write um, quite a bit of you know bits and pieces when I was when I was a kid and I was really encouraged by a teacher one teacher in particular um, my dad read an awful lot to us as kids um, and we did read a lot um, and my mum's family are actually from um, I don't know if you've heard of the the little uh, island of Iona um, it's on the west coast of Scotland it's a this really magical tiny island um, and so her family are from that island. So we spent all of our holidays there. And again, that was like, it was, it felt like the island actually belonged to us. And I do feel like a lot of those childhood kind of things have really like sparked my imagination. And it's only now. So when I went to secondary school, I really went down the science route. And that's how I ended up doing, going to medical school and becoming a doctor. And I did like when I was, when I was working, I did write stuff for medical journals and things. So I was still doing it but it was very dry kind of you know stuff on cervical cancer and stuff. well you know it wasn't fun to write but it was you know I was still doing something semi-creative and then when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder a few years ago and had to stop work the the writing really really came back and um like I say, I've got this vivid imagination so I think um it's been great therapy for me to write but it's also I'm so fortunate to have found a second career, basically. Um, and for that, I'm so, so grateful. So a lot of my own kind of personal kind of doctor medical experience gives the books that authenticity, um, but also the, the bipolar stuff as well, because my protagonist is recovering from bipolar disorder and she returns to work, which I, I didn't do. But I feel like I'm almost sort of living my medical dreams through her a little bit vicariously now, you know. So, um, but it's been a, it's been a, it's been a real gift to me um, to 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 discover the writing. So, like I say, it wasn't it wasn't a first choice career that was being a doctor, and I absolutely loved every second of it. But if I'm not able to do that anymore because of my mental health, then the writing is yeah, it's a pretty good second choice. <laughs> Um, and when you wrote the first book, did you know that you were going to write a series? No, Donna, I honestly didn't think I could write a book, let alone write a series. No. Um, so uh, initially, so I started writing when I was quite unwell, actually. And um, I was recommended by my psychiatrist to do something artistic, you know, as, as therapy. And I can't paint, my, even though my mum's an artist, I'm absolutely hopeless. Um, so I did go back and like I'd always read the kind of golden age of crime fiction. Like I went from Enid Blyton straight to Agatha Christie when I was about 10 and then, you know, moved on to Dorothy Sayers and Josephine Tay and Freeman Wills Cross and all the big greats, you know. So... I suppose I kind of set myself because I've been working full time all what felt like all my life, you know, to become a doctor and then as a as a um, GP um, to to stop and do absolutely nothing was just inconceivable. So although I was unwell, the time when I was recovering 
sitting at a computer and filling a page with words, even if at the time they were incoherent and would never ever be read by anyone. It felt like I was achieving something. Do you know, it gave me a purpose in life. And um, I think because I had that strong, and in fact, Donna, I wrote about like six or seven full length books during that time. No one could ever read them now because they were just appalling. They just made no sense whatsoever, but it really helped get me into that that kind of like I suppose that that feeling that I, I was able to to write a lot of words down you know um but yeah so I think because because I'm quite ambitious and because I, I was convinced that I, I could do something more I started challenging myself a bit more to try and do a mystery something something that I would like to read you know and um I think you know you can't please everybody but if if you write something that you would genuinely like to read yourself, then there must be other people out there who maybe would like to read it as well. But that was always my thinking. And um, I, I wrote a few and eventually got to the stage where I kind of started submitting them to publishers and so on. And, um, and that's how that ended up. But the, the series itself kind of developed. Um, I, I just kept writing them and, and I, I didn't feel because Dr. Kathy Moreland, the protagonist in the series, is kind of really quite heavily based on myself. I can't, I feel really struggled to let her go, you know, so I have keep, you know, I have kept writing more of them. Um, so I hope other people love her a wee bit as well. She's not totally me, but there's a lot, there's a lot that, you know, we have in common. <laughs> um, and, um, what was I just going to ask you? It's totally gone out of my head. <laughs> I'm rambling too much. <laughs> um, no, not at all. <laughs> um, obviously, apart from having uh, your main character based on yourself, do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your books? Oh, um, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I, I have... <sighs> My husband's a, a doctor as well. And uh, a lot of my characters are obviously doctors too, because Kath, Dr. Cathy is working in a medical practice and so on. And uh, she's meeting all of these, you know, interesting people, but her colleagues are obviously GPs or um, her best friend is an A&E consultant, um, who, a highly arrogant A&E consultant who's very, very funny. Um, but um, no, the only the only slightly it's not a hidden thing but one thing that my husband often says is was was this character based on this particular doctor that we used to work with or do you know I've had that that kind of comment and the truth is no and in fact before we started recording we were talking about this before because you write too and you kill off people that you dislike in real life you know in your in your fiction and I wouldn't say I, I would do that but I do think it's easier to write someone if you have um, at least mannerisms or something to base them on that's real. And, um, you know, I, because I've worked in lots of different medical settings um, in hospital and in general practice, I've met so many interesting characters. So it would be impossible for one of those not to, to have crept into one of my characters. So it's not hidden. And there isn't, there genuinely isn't anyone that could say, oh, that's that person. But there'll be, there will be, you know, and and probably 
my my husband's right there you know he probably could pick out maybe one person that was there but yeah no that's not the intention though anyway <laughs> if you were able to take one of your characters out for a meal who would you choose and what would you ask them oh um Okay, well, uh, probably the person I, that I, was, I mentioned before, uh, it's Dr. Kathy's best mate, uh, this um, a &E consultant. She's called Susalina Bat, and she appears in a lot of the, um, of the novels. And Susalina and Kathy went to medical school together. And um, Kathy was quite shy and introverted, and Susalina was... Uh, this rich Indian girl um, who'd come across halfway through her medical degree uh, to finish her training across in, uh, in Scotland and was very, found the course very easy and was highly arrogant, but also very endearing um, with very, maybe very little common sense in comparison to, to Cathy. And I suppose because during the, the book, Susalina makes the most ridiculous attempts to assist Kathy in the solution to the crimes and often gets herself in the most awful mess. Um, so I, I don't know what I would ask her. I think as a kind of shy person myself, I would maybe ask her, how, how can you be that? How can you be that confident in yourself? And yeah, maybe I write her because she she is what I would quite like to to be. Um, so yeah, uh -huh. she's she's yeah she's uh, she would make she would make a great drinking companion anyway. So yeah, <laughs> after dinner we maybe go to the pub together. So that would be quite fun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you'd have a great night actually. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you started writing, what's something that you found more difficult than you're expecting, and what's something that you found easier than you thought it would be? Um. Hmm. Difficult things for me are kind of the self-promotion. Uh, I, I, I find it doesn't really sit very well with me uh, to kind of brag about what I'm doing and to I, I like I quite like social media. I really like Facebook and I like seeing what other people are up to. And I like posting photos of, of like my cats and, and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, to 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 really put yourself out there and to to be you know um like I say that that confident in your in your work I, I do find very difficult and um I would say from the bipolar point of view any like it, any big event in my life is a challenge um so even if it's a good event so like a book launch tomorrow I know potentially I can become quite unwell with it so um I'm kind of guarded against um big events so um that's that's hard stuff but the good stuff is is just I've I've been surprised by I don't want to 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 say this kind of um as a throwaway comment but I've been surprised at how easy um the ideas do come to me um like I would have thought by now that that I would have started to run out of of mysteries for Kathy, and I do have periods when I can't write, and I and I and I just um, I just give myself a couple of months off, and I just let it lie. Um, but when I'm writing, um, it's like I'm possessed. 
<laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I sounds mad. But um, yeah, so I've, I, I was speaking to you about this before we started as well, about my kind of my, um, I'm quite hard on myself when I'm, when I'm writing a book. I, I really, I will not give myself a day off. And um, I start quite early in the morning and I just write until I've got 2000 words at least every single day. And um, yeah, and I don't, I don't um, read over what I've written before. Um, and I, I kind of, I almost write as if no one else is gonna read it because otherwise if I start self-editing as I go along, I become really, really critical and I just, I could trash the whole lot. Do you know if I started reading it again? Oh no, it's all terrible. So um, if I just write and I keep writing and I keep writing, then I mean, I, I'm gobsmacked, you know, although I've written like the eight books now, um, and the the rubbish stuff before that, I, I still I'm like I don't even know how it came about. I, I still don't I still don't know how, where if I could tell you how to write a book, I still haven't worked it out on it. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. That's no use to me. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> There's no. I see. I love these people who are um, real planners and they and they have like a notice board and they put they know all their character traits and everything and every character has a place and, and their plot has these little targets. My stuff doesn't work like that. It's um it's quite intuitive. And then I once I've got my first draft, I'll leave it for a month and then like and don't look at it at all and then go back to it again and then I rip the whole lot to pieces and and kind of almost build it again <clears throat> but at the beginning no it, it feels like it's almost magic by the end of by the end of the first draft I, I'm I just uh, I, yeah I don't know where it all came from <laughs> yeah, I, I saw someone recently that had the notes board with all these different color post-its and stuff oh. not just <laughs> no I do have lots of post-its all over my table and I do at the moment actually and lots of bits of paper everywhere all over the the floor and and ge generally I'm quite a, a tidy person actually but and I, with this no I, d I don't have a no I just don't have that kind of a head and I think my my stories have quite a few different mystery layers to them if I, I couldn't I couldn't conceive of beginning to know that at the beginning though it, they they come in later you know so <clears throat> no it would blow my mind I'm too stupid to to be able to do it right from the, to the beginning no I'd, I'd love to be like that though there are some people who are just yeah their brains are different they're just yeah but I'm a parser yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a plotter <laughs> I wouldn't I think that it takes the fun away from it if you if you've got a rigid formula then you're just filling in the gaps and it doesn't sound oh, like I it would be no I 100% agree with you and you know some of the the nicest points in the story that I think um are gonna really um work for readers are the ones that almost surprised me do you know if I, if I'm getting emotional about it or if I, you know, if there's a particular scene that I'm writing and I'm actually shaking when I'm writing it or, do you know, I think, oh, that that's surely going to come across well, you know, to people. So um, hopefully <laughs> well, we'll find out tomorrow, won't we? <laughs> no, I've had, I have had advanced readers and they've been very, very sweet and, and lovely about about my stuff so yeah I'm, I'm hoping it'll all be fine <laughs> that's usually a good sign because we know our stuff are the advanced yeah. readers because we yeah. read so much generally that... that's true I mean gosh 
like I, I, I'm a big reader myself and I like I, I actually listen to audiobooks a lot because I've got horses and there's lots of outdoor jobs to do too. So if I'm um, like if I'm mucking out or whatever, if I've got a book plugged into my head at the same time, honestly, the time goes by so fast and it's and it's not kind of wasted time. Do you know if I'm if I'm consuming an extra book, just mucking out. Wow. It's, yeah. But you guys are you're like on a different level you're you're reading vast quantities in comparison to to me maybe but yeah Yeah. I know I wish I could do that at work but it would be quite frowned upon I think if I was listening to books and not I do think yeah if you're dealing with the public you you can't really get away with having like your your ear pods in and (laughs) although they come in with theirs and don't speak to me but apparently no that's not it's not the way it's done no and you're kind of your kind of um, ideal fiction to listen to would be kind of gothic, kind of noir, horror stuff, wouldn't it? So could you imagine like having that plugged into your ears while you're dealing with people at Greg's? (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe not. No, they'll just end up in my books instead, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I think so. (laughs) There's ways and means. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Uh, Luckily, we have some nice customers, some of our regulars, so it's, yeah. Yeah, bless him. <laughs> um, what was your most fun scene to write um, in your book that's coming out tomorrow? And what was the most difficult? Obviously, with no spoilers. Ooh, um, okay, I'm going to cheat for this because I actually would say the most fun, but also the most difficult is one scene. And uh, in fact, it's uh, it's it's the the medical stuff, like the the because I've got this kind of insider knowledge I really think it's important for me to um, put that across in the books because it's a view that maybe uh, the general public don't see of of, um, a doctor so in in just about all of the books there's um, there will be a medical scene of either attempted resuscitation or some kind of procedure that you know is quite graphic in description and and high on anxiety levels I would say like you know that it'll get your heart racing a little bit so um those scenes because I've actually experienced them in real life some of them you know I've, I've obviously been to cardiac arrests and so on and some of them are successful and some of them aren't and because I'm almost visualizing it as I'm writing to make it real for you guys to read it's it's quite traumatic do you know and I was saying to you the 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 scenes where you're shaking when you're writing them you think oh that that's probably going to come across well those are the scenes that I'm talking about do you know so if I'm if I'm writing about a resuscitation like it'll be I'll be writing fast and my and I will be shaking by the end of it and and often like I'll be a wee bit tearful even after I've written this the scene because you know it really felt like I was there and and it and I hope I hope that comes across do you know that would be my intention that you feel like you were there too and that it was not traumatic but it was um yeah it meant it meant something I don't know do you watch Casualty Donna? (laughs) I have, yeah, I have done on and off, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those kind of medical dramas like Casualty, I haven't watched Casualty in, in years because it's so so inaccurate, it's painful to, to watch as a doctor. But do you know, when I was growing up, I used to watch it and the scenes where it's filmed in the hospital, right? Those 
although like they're doing lots of medical stuff and it's um and it's all very exciting and everything those scenes always felt to me when I was a kid they weren't quite as frightening as the ones outside the hospital do you know when there's the car crash or there's the explosion or do you know so you feel really quite Un, unnerved when you're out of the hospital but when you're in the, the the confines the comfort of the hospital where you know people know what they're doing that everything's okay <laughs> then you feel safe well hopefully I put across a little bit of that but also a little bit of the the kind of the the psychology of the clinicians as they're going through some of that because no quite a lot, a lot of the time although we are calm and we're you know professional and everything quite a lot of the time we've got a lot of emotional stuff going on too you know we we go after a really messy resuscitation we we go to the toilet and shut the door and have a little cry ourselves you know so I hope I can put that across too you know so yeah that's that it's difficult to write but it's really enjoyable and rewarding to write that stuff so yeah have you seen um, Code Black? No, the, I've not. No. Do you recommend? It's, yeah, it's based um, in an American hospital um, okay. and it's a teaching hospital and it's one of the busiest. Um, and Code Black is where they've got more patients and they can, then they've got staff to deal with. And yeah. it's all very full on action and stuff, but also um, you get the backstories of the doctors and the trainees and stuff. And and there's yeah. um, two episodes where they have, um, I think, the Psychonobida outbreak, which was before the pandemic, but it's so well done. It's just, and I wow. cried basically at the end of every episode oh, <laughs> as well. Sure but it's not. on Netflix, well, I think. Right. No, I'll look, at, I will definitely look at that. But do you know, if, if you become as emotionally invested in it as that, do you know, it's a good job, isn't it? You know, they've done, they've done, they've done it well, haven't they? They've put it across really well. They've, they've made you buy into the whole scenario so yeah um but yeah no I'll check it out definitely yeah it's uh it's an unsung program I think not many yeah. people have heard of it so yeah I try and recommend if I can it's amazing cool cool, cool. yeah um and books we're here for books <laughs> <laughs> keep getting distracted um when you were editing what was your most overused word or phrase oh um probably really you know, the, I, I say it in my own speech quite a lot, really. Uh, so, but do you know, my my editor's really, <laughs> uh, she's she's fab and, and there hasn't, do you know, I don't think there's, it's usually in speech you can almost get away with things like that because it's the pattern of your, your language. And... I would say because I'm Scottish, some of my language, maybe the the editors question, what what does that word mean, or you know, and or or I mean the medical stuff. Obviously, I I will put in a bit of medical terminology, but not to the point that you won't understand it. But um, I think the jargony stuff is quite fun to read anyway. Um, no, I I would say that's that's about it. Um, yeah, probably the word really, and. And it's and it's a useless word. It's not a great word, is it? It's it no. doesn't really describe anything. Um, but it is just a pattern of my 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 language, I suppose. So yeah, they, a lot of reallys get taken out. <laughs> it's uh, that's something that I've spotted that I do. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean because I've noticed that I do that and I go back on that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Delete. Get rid of that. Yeah. 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 You have to start being quite strict with yourself. But it comes up, you know, you can you can root it out quite 
before it even gets to the editor, even if you just key it in, find real like a, you know, find the word really in your oh god, there'd be millions of them can come up and you can start start going through. But yeah, yeah, I suppose the more the more books I've written, the the better I've become at, at rooting out stuff like that. I suppose so. There usually when it comes back to me having having been through the first edit, it's it's not it doesn't take me that long to to make the the correction so it must be going to the editor in a reasonable enough state I think <laughs> so um if you're able to spend a day with any author dead or alive who would you like to spend a day with oh my god oh Donna that's so hard isn't it oh it's um, a sneaky way of asking you your favorite author without actually asking who your favorite author is yeah um <laughs> Okay, can I have one dead and one alive? Oh no, gosh, I could choose so many though. Okay, right. From the golden age of crime, my biggest hero is Freeman Wills Crofts. And he is maybe a kind of unsung hero of his time. He was, um, I think he was a railway engineer and he wrote these meticulously plotted, beautiful character studies in his novels. And I think he's everything I would want to be because, as I say, I think he must have been a plotter. He's very, although I'm scientific to a degree because of the, you know, the medicine, he must have been really scientifically, logically minded, you know, because everything is so clever. And um, I really love his, his turn of phrase. And the only thing I would say with him is he, he, kind of depersonalizes his detective a little bit he's quite a straight character so you'd never really get to know Inspector French that's the the the, the protagonist in a lot of his books so he's just a he's just a kind of um a vessel to discover who the the culprit is in in the crimes but but oh gosh they're so they're so clever and he he oh god I've sounded like a complete nerd going on like this but um but just he Freeman Wells Cross did, did write whodunits but he also wrote howdunits and I, oh gosh it's so clever do you know if you know if you follow that he does it sometimes from the murderer's point of view so he's written this one book called Antidote to Venom and I highly recommend anyone who loves Golden Age of Crime. In fact, the, the British Library have um, reissued this one um, not that long ago. You know, the British Library are doing the, the crime collection, the beautiful covers. I've got like all of them, I think. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, that's one of the ones that they've redone. So it's easily um, bought off of Amazon, wherever. So um yeah, I'd, I'd love to, to beg him to tell me how to plan rather than to, to just wing it, you know? Uh, so he, he would be a cool person to meet. And the other person, if I'm allowed to have another person who's alive, is actually the person who collates all of the British Library um, collection. That's Martin Edwards, who is a prolific writer in his own right. And he's also a really, really genuinely lovely person who has given me so much um support and advice um since I started writing and I've sent him like uh, like I write sc scholarly articles about medicine and and the golden age of crime and he's read so much of my stuff and been so supportive so I, I would just love to chat to him because he's just he comes across as such a, a sweet kind person so yeah <laughs> 
which leads nicely on to my next question actually which is have you made loads of author friends since you started writing oh do you know I'm quite shy but um and so I wouldn't be like a kind of an author circle kind of person I have actually been to them and I just felt like oh I can't even speak uh just I haven't got anything useful to say um so not from that point of view but um yeah I mean online definitely um and certainly the since I've joined the Bloodhound um crew Oh, I've been so fortunate. I've made some really great friends, yeah. Um, and other people who are kind of cheerleading you, you know, as as much as it, as if it's almost their book that's that's coming out as well, do you know? And that really has surprised me that people are that generous and and that sweet. Um, you know, they're really rooting for you, like, and I and I really do feel that. Um, so I independently published the first couple of books in my in my series before I was I was found by Bloodhound and um, it was a totally different experience doing it independently you didn't have someone like yesterday um, I had one of the one of my my author friends phone me up kind of screaming down the phone oh my god your book's doing so well and everything and you know I didn't have any of that when I when I was um, when I was doing it independently so um, yeah being part of a, a publishers kind of folds it's, it, yeah that's that's been really special actually and just talking to people do you know like on on Facebook like I've got an author page and on Twitter and the more you start interacting with people the more people who are similarly minded to you that you you meet don't you and it takes a wee bit to to get up the courage to start actually saying something in a group I, I well it does for me anyway I, I'll sit back and not say anything for it for ages and that's why see when you went to Harrogate and you were brave enough to go to a book festival I was like wow Donna well well done you because that's maybe going to take me a, a a wee bit of time to to be able to do but um I like I've spoken at one small book festival already and that was a big deal for me but yeah going and attending and meeting people yeah that that's that'll be that'll be cool but yeah I'll, I'll put my anxiety levels up a wee bit I think <laughs> but yeah I, I, I think we're through the roof don't worry it really? may not have looked like it but yeah. you know it, there are so many like bookish people who are really shy and I could just imagine like at these book festivals is everyone just this really awkward geek who just doesn't want to talk like we all just stand like <laughs> how do you ever actually manage to talk to one another it's just it's beyond me so get one person that's brave and then the other people will follow that little sheep yeah and then you'd yeah. say you'll just descend all people as a group but then one person will be the spokesperson and everyone else is all sitting yeah that's totally <laughs> Yeah, it's no, so I could funny. see that. I could totally yeah. see that. And then uh, once everyone heads off to the pub, maybe at the end, then like tongues are loosened a little bit, and you're able to to cope a little bit better. Maybe I don't know, but yeah. Um, ah, oh, come on, day I'll be brave. I'll come and join you. <laughs> well, we were talking because you're doing um, the Hobcast on Friday, and yes. you're talking about Adrian and Rebecca, yeah. and I met them for the first time at Harrogate, and they were worse oh. than I was. They were more really? shy than me, but yet they ended up speaking to Mark Billingham and to Ian Rankin. So, wow, okay. yeah, well, I, I, I think you either just jump on the chance or you don't, but then you'll go home and you regret it. So, yeah. Oh, gosh, I could. Yeah, I could see that. Well, see there you've made another like real genuine connection with people. And, and that's, you know, that's all through through the books. And yeah, it's 
it is a lovely community and particularly I think well I mean I was going to say like if you, people within your same genre you you gel with particularly because you end up being complete nerds like I I'll start going on and on about blooming Freeman Wells Cross just anyone who'll listen to me but you know um it's not true because bloodhounds don't just publish crime that you know it's it's a whole mix and I gosh I I would uh, I I would support them all do you know um and the books are are, are ace so um, and I've made so many good friends through Bloodhound. So, um, yeah, it's not just sticking to your own genre even. But, um, but yeah, certainly I, I love a bit of a nerdy chat. <laughs> it was, um, I met um, a guy called Malcolm Hollandrake for the first time. Um, we'd been speaking for ages and I'd read his books. We were so excited to meet each other. We literally hugged in a road. Oh, because we were just like, oh my god yeah we just had in the middle of a road we're both intelligent adults and oh. we're just like oh my god I can't believe yeah but do you know I think with social media you do kind of almost feel like you know people because like you I, I feel like because I've watched many of your your interviews and everything and we've messaged each other back and forth through social media and stuff and I've, yeah I think you kind of once you start speaking like we did it was almost like oh yeah we're, we're friends anyway so it's it's not difficult to say stuff you know <laughs> um but yeah no it's cool it's cool it it's a nice cool. community isn't it nice it community. really is yeah it's amazing and um, yeah all the time I see it actually it's lovely and you know I think because I stepped away from working as a doctor I, I would say the majority of my friends before starting writing were doctors and um, because I, I kind of stopped work and I was unwell, I lost touch with a whole load of people. And a lot of those people, in fact, someone today that I haven't heard from for years sent me a message and said, oh my God, I can't believe you're writing now. I've just seen your, your book on Amazon. And I, do you know, I, like uh, it's, it's brought a whole load of old friends as well back into my life that I, I really, yeah, that, you know medical school people and stuff but you know people who were really really dearly important at different stages of my life and they've become you know they've come back into things because I'm doing something new that you know is a little bit weird um for a doctor I suppose. <laughs> but yeah so yeah it's been cool yeah I had um one of my of uh, my older school friends um messaged me and said if you finished your book yet and I'm like no not yet she's like hurry up I want to say that I'm friends with a famous writer oh how nice is that yeah I know well there will be people who will be really rooting for you do you know and I think you forget that when you're writing you you're almost you know you're almost expecting to be torn down or whatever but people do actually do do I, this is me trying to give myself a pep talk before tomorrow when it's when the book comes out people really want you to do well Mary it's all gonna be fine, <laughs> fine. they yeah, will 100 generally people people don't want to tear you down and criticize what you've written I think particularly when you really put your heart into something hopefully they see it for that and yeah they will read it as as such so yeah that's what I think so apart from your horses, what else do you like to do when you're not writing? Um, well, reading a lot and, and as I say, listening to, to the audiobooks. I've got three horses, like you, you mentioned, so uh, that takes up a, a good bit of my time, I suppose. Um, and I've got a 16-year-old son who is 
just the apple of my eye um but he's he's obviously like doing exams at the moment so I would say like a lot of my life is is revolving around him <laughs> but um yeah we live in the country and I'm so fortunate where we live um where we've got like um we've got cattle around us and I'm a real country girl and I love animals and um, I'm actually vegetarian and when we moved here um, I wasn't quite sure because because the farmer it, it's it's that his cattle are for meat um, that's what he breeds them for and I wasn't quite sure how that would feel for me um, but I think having moved here um, I like I help out with the cows and in fact I've helped him deliver quite a few quite a few cows because I've got the the medical experience I'm not a vet but like I know basics I suppose so um and I'm certainly calm in a in a you know in a stressful situation I'm very very calm and you know everything's fine you know everyone's gonna be fine um so that's been a real treat actually since we moved here so I suppose that takes up a bit of my time is yeah just the country the whole like being in the countryside and you know that's and walking in the countryside and and looking after the oh it sounds sounds really rubbish doesn't it but that's, no it sounds amazing I'm jealous <laughs> that sounds awesome. do you know and you, he's totally the the farmer's totally changed my mind about um about you know I'm not I'm not going to suddenly start eating meat I haven't eaten meat since I was about 10 years old but um the way he cares for his cows my god he treats them like his children he's absolutely adores them and he they've like he goes in and pets them and scratches them and um they all have beautiful personalities and we all have our favorites and then they've got names and <laughs> <laughs> but actually do you know um in uh, now which book is it is it book four yeah it's in the fourth in the series I do have quite a strong uh, uh, kind of countryside element to the book um, and there's a little bit of a bit of cattle farming kind of creeps in just because I, I know a wee bit about it now so I just thought oh, I'll just pop, pop that into the book but um yeah so I think you do get influenced by what you're experiencing around you and definitely like the, the Scottish countryside and so on is yeah it's it's really important to me so um yeah yeah outside I'm an outside kind of girl like country girl yeah <laughs> I couldn't live in a city I would I would be absolutely no I would go mad I think I'm, I'm all the all the bustle and everything Thing would would not be good for me so yeah yeah so, I mean I live in a town more than a city but still I like it I like access to everything yeah yeah so yeah I don't feel like, well not yet anyway maybe in the future we'll see yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um if you were able to travel to any period of time either forwards or backwards where would you go <laughs> Donna <laughs> how am I meant to answer that <laughs> um okay right uh so backwards uh oh what would I do I go back to sort of Victorian time when uh, Conan Doyle was doing his stuff and he was you know all this really amazing inventions where you know electricity was being kind of understood and all these amazing things were happening and and the writing at that time was unbelievable I mean people were um coming up with the most amazing ideas and I like I often think we almost are just rewriting the same stories that 
other people have written before us, aren't we? It's a, it's like um, it's like what they say about the beat. I'm a big Beatles fan as well. That's another thing. Uh, but do you know since the Beatles, you know wrote their amazing extensive catalogue it's very difficult to write a really good song isn't it because they've been written already so I feel like a lot of you know anything that comes after that it's 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 quite difficult to live up to that and you're almost recreating or taking an element of that again and I do feel that that time when when Conan Doyle was was beginning and yeah wow yeah that was that was amazing I think it would have been a very difficult an unpleasant time to actually live in. But if I was just kind of chatting to a few authors, then that would be okay, wouldn't it? <laughs> just pop in and pop out again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before you needed any medical care or, you know, yes, any kind exactly. of sanitary things. And... Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, that's the most impossible question I think I could have been asked. So um, that's the best I can come up with. That's <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, you may be pleased to know that that's it. Unless <gasps> you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you want to tell us about, then... I no, I don't think so. You I, like, I, I hope people enjoy the series. And as I say, the first one, um, Death by Appointment, comes out tomorrow. And yeah, I, I hope people love it as much as, you know, I, I, I hope it deserves because it, it, it had a lot of heart put into it, you know. So this comes out tomorrow. And then um, the next book called Murder and Malpractice is out in February. And then, oh gosh, I've got a list in here. Uh, in March, Deadly Diagnosis is coming out. Uh, in April, Shooting Pains comes out. In May, it's Clinically Dead. And then in June, it's Not For Resus. And then in July, it's The Vanishing Patient. So they're obviously all very medically um, named. And uh, yeah, Dr. Kathy Moreland is featuring in all of them and does our stuff so yeah I hope people enjoy it and if you um, if you want to let me know if you've enjoyed it then like I'm all across social media I'm uh, so yeah come and find me <laughs> so would you like to just tell everyone where they can find you and where they can get your books yeah so um most the important books, thing <laughs> yeah whoops I forgot that uh yeah so <laughs> like the books are easy to get on Amazon um and in like obviously ebook and paperback um it's also on Kobo it's across all of the the usual sites and um if you if you go into the bookshop you can order it as well um and if you want to find me I'm just Mary Chong um on most of the social media sites and um yeah same goes for my website it's what is it www.marichong.com or something like <laughs> it's like fairly unimaginatively named um so yeah you'll 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 find me that way but yeah uh-huh I would love to chat to people if they you know I'd, I'd love to hear people's feedback um but the the reviews so far have been really really sweet so um hopefully people get on board <laughs> Will, and I will be promoting it tomorrow in my group anyway. Oh, so. you're darling. Thanks so much. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Donna. Bye.